Shotgun look Baker. Good snap, looking to his left, looking for the ball toward the end zone, toward Evans. He makes the catch. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans. This is Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters. Hooters, the official wing joint since 1983. Now your co-hosts, former Buccaneers guard Ali Marpet and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome into Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters, and we are coming to you live from the Hooters Owls Nest. Casey Phillips joined by DB Zion McCollum. Zion, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and you, you drew a great game to get to come on here to talk about, man. I mean, what a fun win and oh, just a huge win in terms of what it means for the season. But then, I mean, December and in Lambo and in the fashion you guys did, I just imagine that's like every kid's kind of dream in so many ways of, of going in and doing something like that. What did that feel like for you guys as a team and, and the significance of it? Exhilarating to say it in one word, but I mean, just to see everything coming together at the right time. And Coach Bowles preached us all through training camp, you know, we'll see who we really are when December football starts. And for us to be three on a three-game win streak right now in the middle of December, I mean, it feels exhilarating. What does it say about this team that you guys have been able to figure it out? And, and what does it feel like in the midst of it of why now is when everything is kind of coming together? I mean, we just show up to work. And, you know, we put our heads down and we just take one step at a time. And even when it feels like we're taking steps backwards, I mean, the leadership on this team, the coaching staff on this team, you know, we get back to just doing what we do. It's always about us, never about the opponent. And whether it's fundamentals or, or mental aspect, you know, we just keep working at the little things. For you, how do you evaluate, you know, your game? How about just this this Sunday to start with? I feel good out there. I mean, I feel really, really comfortable. And for me, it was just gaining the trust of the coaches and the players around me, you know, just being able to do things consistently over and over in practice in the film room and then obviously on Sundays. And so I feel like I'm finally gaining the trust of everybody, which makes me feel like I have a weight lifted off my shoulders and I can kind of just play a little bit freer out there. Of course, you know, I'm still searching for that perfect, perfect game, <laughs> as I'm sure I will be for my entire career. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's things that I can work on every time. I'm really, really hard on myself. And my brother, he's really hard on me, too. He calls me after every game. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he was hard on himself, too. But no, he's hard on you. <laughs> <laughs> we're hard on each other. Yeah. And every time I talk to him, the first thing he's telling me is like, oh, man, you lost leverage on that one play. <laughs> wow. Oh, man, he slipped away from you on that one. And he's just telling me tips that he sees because, I mean, we think really similar. So when he's telling me stuff, it's kind of like I'm telling myself things. And so because of that, you know, it just makes me want to work even harder to perfect everything. That is imperfect. I like that. How about, um, I, you know, last week's game was so big it, it, in terms of the Atlanta game. of it, it was essentially a playoff game in so many ways of what it meant for the standings in the NFC South and your chances at playoffs. Was there any concern about how intense that game was and how big it meant to lose some of that intensity or vibes afterward? You know, what was it like to be able to try to focus on keeping that for this week? And, and what do you think it was that let you guys not kind of have a bit of a letdown after that one? I mean, every game from this point on to, to me and for this entire team is like a playoff game. And, you know, you can get caught up on big wins and big losses, and but we always talk about it not creating a domino effect and spilling on to the next week. And, you know, something that I live by, I treat the highs just like I treat the lows. You know, whether it's a bad game, I treat it no different than if it's a really good game. You have to come back to that center and just keep working and keep working and keep chipping away. And I felt like this team did a really good job of that, just having fun, for one. I mean, you got guys running out there 
and 40 degrees with no shirts on. <laughs> it's drizzling. Everybody's screaming. And we just like to bring this type of energy that just goes to show that even if it's December, late December, we still have energy as if we're just starting OTAs. Were you one of the people running that with no shirt on? I wasn't. I, yeah. was, I thought about it, really, but I was like, you know what? Maybe I should keep my muscles a little bit warm. Yeah, there's <laughs> the mental side of trying to prove you're okay, and then the tangible side of, like, maybe I should be warm. Like, I definitely <laughs> thought about it, but I was like, yeah. No, we're not going to be that tough guy. I like it. Uh, how about, man, you talked about the, the leadership on this team, and we do this show every week, and we joke about how we feel like we should just have an Antoine Winfield Jr. segment every week yeah. on this show to talk about him. Um, so now this game, you know, led the team in tackles at 10. He got his career-high fifth force fumble of the season. So now he and TJ Watt are the only players since Antoine came into the league that have at least 10 force fumbles and takeaways. Um, why is he so good at that in particular, whether it's the force fumbles, the takeaways, that part? part of his game what do you see out there he's different and I mean he's somebody who I came into the league and just seeing him my rookie year I mean I look up to players like that and I aspire to you know be at that level in my career and he just has a calm aura about him to where he's just a true professional when he's in the building you know he can have fun he can laugh around he can talk about things outside of football but when it comes down to football there's like a switch and he just goes into that that mode and, you know, he's so consistent and it's something that I strive for. And when it comes to consistency at just being great all the time, whether it's practice or in the meeting rooms or on game day, I mean, there's no change. There's no shift. And everything's always the same. And he's always locked in. And, I mean, he's just a really heady football player. He, he knows how to make plays. And he's really, really fun to play with, you know, whether we're working together if I know that I got him next to me and I, we're communicating and we're on the same page, then it almost feels like there's nothing an offense can do. We're talking to Zion McCollum. I was thinking about that of what that means to have someone like him on the field behind you and just what it means to the rest of the DBs and the corners. You kind of talked about that of just the way that how can he influence the way maybe that you feel like you can play out there? I mean, it's, it all comes down to trust. And when I'm on the field and I know that I can trust my players and my, my teammates and my teammates can trust me, then we can really take chances and we can really, you know, do things that Bowles is looking for out of the defense. And so when I'm in man coverage and I know I got Antoine over the top of me, I know that I can take gamble. I can be way more aggressive at the line of scrimmage because if I do slip up or something does happen, I know that I'm protected. That's a big deal. Um, and another person I feel like you'd probably say that about is Levante David. And, um, you know, he got a half sack, couple tackles for loss, nine tackles, pressures. Um, and then this stat is amazing. He now has 10 years of 100 or more tackles, which is the most since the third most since 2000. And he's trailing only London Fletcher and Bobby Wagner in that category. Um, fourth career season with 100 plus tackles, 15 plus tackles for loss. No other player has more than two of those since they regularly started tracking them in 2006. Like it's you could just do these stats forever for him. Um, what is it like to play alongside a guy like that and to have him to learn with and just just even watch as, as almost a football fan? It's, he's such an incredible leader. And, like, I mean, the best quote I can think of from Rondé Barber, your best ability is your availability. I mean, he's available whenever you need him. Whenever he goes down, he works so hard to get back. And he's just a different type of leader on the sideline and the huddle. He calms everybody down. And even when we're up and we're feeling ourselves, you know, he's always the type of player to be like, we got to go out there again. We got to keep going, keep going, keep your foot on the necks. You know, stay consistent, stay with your mind focused on the end goal. And having somebody like that, he just grounds everybody. It keeps everybody calm so that we can just attack and stay on attack mode.
And KJ Britt uh, stepping into a much bigger role these last few weeks. Um, what have you seen from him, both in terms of practice and, and what let him be ready when his number was called? I think he's been waiting for like this moment to just blossom and to really show his leadership uh, qualities as well, because he's a superb leader as well vocally. And you can tell that he really, really cares a ton. You know, he watches his extra film and he, he's in the meeting room talking to everybody, trying to get everybody lined up and everybody right. Uh, it seems like he wants to know everybody's job so that he can just be able to just make sure that the entire defense is on the same page. And it was fun. Like even last year running with him, me and him, we had like our own like handshake dynamic duo on special teams. And so to see him like finally be able to get his opportunity at linebacker and to just take it by the head and just keep going, like it's incredible. And I'm super happy for him. That's great. I've also heard he's one of the bigger trash talkers on the team. Is that fair? Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely the loudest in the locker room for sure. I mean, you can't go in the locker room and not hear his voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Where are you on the team in that? Do you ever trash talk? Sometimes. I mean, more, more than not, I talk to myself. <laughs> And a lot of times if, I, if I'm on the field or anything and I do some trash talking, it's to fans, like to opposing <laughs> fans. <laughs> or, or I'll look at, you know, other opposing team sidelines and just kind of I just get energy from all that. Not too much talking to the other players. Yeah, that's smart. The fans can't really do anything to you in the game as compared to, like, you know, doing it to a player. I think this exactly. is a wise move. Um, so offensively in the game, obviously we got to talk about Baker's game, first of all. I mean, he just did so many incredible things. Season high, 381 yards. Uh, he almost got his career high in yards, four touchdowns. Perfect passer rating, which he is the first visiting quarterback ever to get that at Lambeau. Um, just his fourth career, 300-yard, three-plus touchdown game of his career. What was it like watching him out there and, and even just maybe what that did for the defense to see a performance like that? Baker baked <laughs> he did his thing I mean it's so it gives us so much confidence as a defense when you just look out there and it's third and four third and seven third and two and I have 100% confidence that we're going to pick up this first down and Lambeau it's not an easy place to play at that was my first time playing there and I definitely want to play there again because the atmosphere is incredible I mean they had every seat packed and it was loud but there was no no flinching, no blinking from anybody, especially not Baker. And he just seemed like he was on a roll. And when Baker's on a roll and everything's clicking, I mean, that's a dangerous man. That's awesome. And what has it been like just having him join the team this year? What does he bring attitude-wise, leadership-wise, and, and again, even to the way that it can affect both sides of the ball? He keeps things fun for sure. And, I mean, when it's time to get serious, then he gets serious and he's locked in. But at the same time, he just has this easeful – you know, jolly, just joy about him where you can tell that he really loves the game and he really cares and wants to get better. He wants to spread the ball around. He wants to run opposing linebackers over. I mean, he wants to do everything. And I think having a team guy like that is just the perfect for the position he plays. What's he like to go against in practice? He's a trash talker too. <laughs> <laughs> in camp especially. I mean, it's super fun. He's so competitive. It doesn't matter. You know, whether it's a scout team or whether it's ones versus ones, like he has that same competitive fire and everything that he does. And so it's fun going against that in practice because you know that you're going to get the best of him every day. And then Mike Evans, 11th touchdown catch of the season. He ties Gronk and Devontae Adams for the 12th most in NFL history. Why is he so tough to defend, particularly in the end zone, as someone who's, I'm sure, tried to do it a few times in practice? <laughs> well, I mean, for one, he's 6'5", <laughs> a true 6'5". I mean, he's super tall. And I've been looking up to Mike since high school days. And when he went to the league, 
I mean, I was in high school. That's all they ever talked about. You know, he was kind of set the pave the way for, for my generation. And so, I mean, I've been seeing him do it forever. And, I mean, a lot of people, I don't know if they know this, he was a two-way athlete in high school. I mean, he had offers to play basketball at A&M and football to play at A&M, and he just ended up loving football more. And so he can has the jumping ability. And he just, when he's in the end zone, he just feels like he can just dunk on anybody. And I'd say his mindset is the most powerful of anything, of all his physical traits. You know, uh, he has his mind made up that when the ball's in the air, it belongs to him. And so he's just going to go up there and get it. That's crazy. And yeah, so for people who didn't know, you went to the same high school as Mike. So do you, did you go watch him play when you were, like when he was in high school when you were a kid? No. Uh, when So I moved to Galveston and I was in middle school. But by the time I had gotten up uh, to high school and everything, he was already at A&M. And so we just heard the stories and then we watched the film over him. And he's such a positive influence on the community there. He comes back as much times as he can to the high school. He played in the faculty versus student game uh, basketball is dunking on high school yeah that sounds so unfair <laughs> so unfair but that's my like he's competitive too and he wants to be the great at great at everything and all those kids look up to him and so whenever he's in the hallways around it just gives the entire school just hope that you know no matter what they're doing in life like if they just try their hardest and they can be just like mike I love that. Just like Mike. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access continues. Brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Back to your co-hosts, Ali Marpet and Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters. We are coming to you from the Hooters Owls Nest. Casey Phillips alongside cornerback Zion McCollum. So, Zion, I mean, we were just talking about Mike. Um... Chris Godwin, another one that we just, I'm sure, going against in practice has been a wild experience of having these two guys for you to practice against. But he gets 10 catches, 155 yards, season highs for both. He had 108 yards in the first half alone, which is wild. So tell us about his skill set, the challenges of covering him, and, and what he can bring to the team. He's such a smart football player, and he's not the fastest. I mean, he's definitely strong. So from a corner's perspective, like me, who has, you know, speed and I feel like I can stick and stay glued to him, it's just so weird covering him sometimes because he's such a good route runner. He doesn't have to be fast or, or quick to get open. He just knows how to manipulate, you know, defenders and find the open spots. And some probably the best hands I've ever been seeing from anybody that I've played with. I mean, his hands are so sure and he has so much confidence in his hands. And when he has confidence in Baker, Baker has confidence in him, and they're connecting, then a lot of good things can happen. I'm sure it's fun to watch him do that to other teams as compared to having to go against him practice. Most definitely. Um, and then same thing Rashad. I mean, man, 89 yards rushing, 50 receiving. So he just keeps his streak going of the 100-plus yards from scrimmage. Now he joined Warwick Dunn as the only players in team history with 1,000-plus rushing yards and 750-plus receiving yards over their first two career seasons. Tell us how dangerous he's become as a receiver and how unique that is as a running back to be able to do what he does out in space and, and with his routes. We always knew that he could run routes and he had crazy hands. He's always making the one-handed catches and the spectacular plays, but we were just waiting for it to translate onto the field. And I feel like just watching him, I'm so proud of him because every game he just gets better and better and better and better. And there's no nothing that's going to stop him. I mean, he's so confident 
and the way that he talks, you know, you'll never catch him on having a bad day because he just talks himself up and he's just so confident. And you need that from a playmaker, especially to his caliber. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. I was thinking about in this game Sunday, knowing I was having you on the show, how many people from your draft class were just making huge plays and so involved in the game. I mean, you had Coe's touchdown and Cade making a bunch of different plays, Rashad having an amazing game, Luke is in there, and you. And I mean, it's just like the your draft class has been asked to do so much so early. Is it really what is it like to watch them do that? And then how is the chemistry important in terms of you guys all coming in together and having so many of you that have known each other since day one? Exactly. I mean, from the first day, we all, you know, sat down together and were like, you know, this group could be special. And Duke, uh, he talked to all the rookies as he does every year. And he just talked about how staying together and just grinding and chipping away one step at a time, one day at a time. And I feel like this group has really taken that message by the head, like, we just want to get better and better every day. And whether it's a bad day or a good day, it doesn't affect the mission that we have to just continue to get better. And that chemistry and that love that we have for one another to just, you know, we hype each other up. We're, we're our number one fans, you know what I mean? So just having that family kind of aspect about it just makes us want to compete at the highest level for one another. You know, I remember before the season started, uh, your cornerback coach, Kevin Ross, was asked about just you and and the group overall. And he said he thought that you might be and should be the most improved guy on the whole team from last year to this year. What do you think made him say that? And then I, I think it's maybe fair to say that he was right. Would you agree with that sentiment at this point? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> why not? I'm not going to turn down a compliment. <laughs> Definitely not. And I mean, he, t he told me that day that he had that interview, he came up to me before and he's like, I'm going to get interviewed later. And I'm telling them that you're going to be the best most improved buck and he was just that gave me a lot of confidence when he said that because again it was the whole I just wanted everybody to trust me and when he said that I knew that it was in that direction like they trusted me they just needed me to trust in myself and you know I feel better and better and, and it was a lot of mentally that I had to hurdles that I had to get over you know facing my rookie year and the ups and the downs and to finally be able to have an offseason to just reset and to just really get deep into the playbook, you know, have those meetings with Coach Rock and have those meetings with Coach Bowles and just get better in the summer. I feel like I just continue to get better and better, and I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. What do you remember as the big mental hurdles? I think it's been interesting this year watching guys like Tristan and everybody be open about the fact that, like, there's there can be some anxiety. There can be a lot of stuff that goes on in your mind when it comes to football, and it's been really cool to see how open everybody's been about that. What do you remember as – was it the actual X's and O's mental part of the game? Was it a more confident side of things? What it, for you was the, the mental hurdles? I think it was definitely a little bit of confidence, which kind of just spilled off into a bunch of other things. And, I mean, the pressure and just everything coming from a small school into this big stage. And, you know, I didn't really know too much of what to think. And, you know, out there on the field, it just kind of felt a little surreal. Like at times last year, I felt like I was just, I was the fan that had the best seat in the house, like on the field, you know what I mean? Like I didn't actually feel like I was playing football. And so just getting out of that and just focusing on just making plays, trusting the people next to me, and that's what makes it fun. And then when coaches, you know, have your back and you have your coaches back, it just frees me to just be able to just fly around and just play the game how I want it to be played. 
What do you think it is about the way you were playing that gave them that confidence to trust you? And, you know, I think about how Coach Bowles has said multiple times that he doesn't think of you as a starter only when there are injuries. He still just thinks of you as a starter at this point, that regardless of whether Carlton or Jamel are both available, only one of them's available. He's like, yeah, Zion is up there as a starter caliber player. What are the things that you think you've done that have made him say that? I think just doing my job is what it completely boils down to. I see myself as an intelligent player, but sometimes I can be a double-edged sword in a way because it can cause me to overthink things or try to compensate, you know, and help other people when really I just got to focus on helping myself. And if everybody's just doing their 111th, then we're moving as one unit. And so I think just being able to just calm down, focus on myself, just do my job and let everybody else do their job, allow them to see like that's all they ever wanted. And what does that look like in Bulls' system specifically? What are the things that you get asked to do? What does he expect of a corner in, in your position? And, and what does that look like to fit into what he is, is wanting you to do? I mean, every play call that he calls has a set of jobs. And, you know, I have to keep the same leverage. And But at the end of the day, he just wants us to make plays and be heady football players, to be able to see the quarterback and break when he's throwing it, read three-step. You know, if I got man-to-man, keep your eyes on your man. You know, come in, fill, run on the outside. I mean, he, he asks a lot of, of the corners. But to me, it's it's not a lot. To me, it's just football. And so I enjoy to be uh, asked to do a lot. I like having a lot on my plate because I feel like I can handle it. And so anytime anything they ask of me, you know, I just I ask, you know, how can I do that the best? You know, mm-hmm. how can I fill your needs the most because if we're working together then he's going to put me in positions to make plays and I want to make the plays that he puts me in position for. What do you like about having him as your defensive coordinator and head coach? I mean he's so smart and so <laughs> intelligent but he also keeps it things fun and he 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 seems like really really serious but he's not serious all the time. I mean it's just his aura and like how he is and so he makes the game fun at the same time. You know, he if you make a mistake, then you can laugh about it and, and just get better. Just don't let it happen twice. Then right. there won't be any laughing. <laughs> then you're in trouble. And so, I mean, it makes me calm because, like, when we have meetings together, he just makes the game so simple and so easy. And so for somebody who overthinks and was overcomplicating things from the jump to go in a meeting and he just, it's as simple as ABC, one, two, three. It's like, oh, okay, that makes it a lot easier. We're talking to Zion McCollum. Um, how about for you? You talked about the going from a small school to the NFL. What were the biggest adjustments, the most challenging things about that? Honestly, if I'm being honest, the first big adjustment that I saw was I couldn't see over the O-line and D-line. <laughs> they were so much bigger, and so it was so hard for me to see, you know, the running backs hitting gaps or even, like, the quarterbacks sometimes. And so, but no, nah, the biggest jump was just the pressure. I mean, the fans, I mean, at Sam Houston, we didn't have, you know, the $80,000 crowds, uh, you know, screaming, roaring that you uh, have in the NFL. And so just being able to take everything in, I mean, it's so much, but being able to decompress and just breathe it away, you know, I'm blessed now that I was able to go through and see, you know, both sides of that experience. Were you always uh, mainly football or how many other sports did you play? Growing up, our mom wanted us to play everything and anything just to kind of get a knack for everything. So like in middle school, I mean, it was everything. It was tennis, track, basketball, 
not so much baseball, t-ball though. Uh, football, of course. I mean, it was so much. We, you know, skateboarding, you know, surfing, disc golf. I mean, it was like so much things that we did. And but football, just we ended up falling in love with that the most. And I'm glad that she did it like that because it really, for one, it caused us to be, you know, competitors. You know, and always compete in everything that we're doing, no matter what sport or activity it is. And then it also just added to our athleticism a little bit, just being able to do so much things. When you go out on the football field, you just feel more natural out there. Yeah, do you feel certain moments where you can tell that it's almost because of those other sports that you're able to do what you do? Definitely. I think just the coachability in me, I see myself as like a sponge. So no matter what sport or activity that I'm doing, like I want to be the best at it. And so being able to do so much different things, you know, really young, when it comes to football, it's like if I get asked to, you know, change a technique or to learn a different job or to do something else, I think it comes a lot easier for me. I always like asking if guys were naturally their sort of football size early or if they were more of the they had to grow late or work late to get to be uh, the football size that you are. And I think I saw that you were only like, what, 5'8 as a sophomore. Is that accurate? I was so short and I was skinny, too. I, I remember me and Tristan, uh, my twin brother, we were in the weight room and we were like, if football is going to work out, then we probably should start hitting the weights a little bit. <laughs> And we could only do, it was a 45-pound bar, and we only could do 25s on each side. Oh, no. And we were like, dude, we are so weak right now. But we were like, we got to start somewhere. <laughs> we got to start somewhere. And so we just put our head down and just got to work. And we knew that because we were short, our mom always told us, just because you're short, I mean, you're going to have an advantage because you're going to work that much harder to be faster and quicker. And when we got our height, uh, late in high school, I mean, that same worth ethic stuck with us. So it caused us to just continue to work as if we were at a disadvantage, even though finally we were blessed to have an advantage. So how much did you grow by the end of high school? I, we had grown up to about six one, six one and a half. So you grew five the, or six inches Yeah, at my the end back of school. Is, I have stretch marks on my back from growing <laughs> so fast. We both do. It just happened in our Mom always told us, you know, your dad's side, late bloomers. Everybody on my dad's side is really tall. My uncle's 6'8". My dad was 6'6". Her, my grandpa is 6'5". Like, they're all really, really tall. So we knew that we just had to be It was patient. in there somewhere. It was in there, was somewhere. In there somewhere. And your dad played for the Bulls. Is that right? Yep, he did. He got drafted by the Atlanta Hawks and traded to the Bulls, played there for a couple of years, and then went over to Europe and played in the Israeli League for ever. And... Yeah, pretty sure he's a legend over there in Israel. A legend over there. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Uh, and he, only, he just barely missed Jordan, right, with the Bulls? Barely, just by Were one Were you just year. devastated at realizing this? Of like, my dad could have known. I when I was old enough to realize that he played for that Bulls team, that's the first thing I asked. I was like, how was Jordan? When was Jordan? Man, son, bully. He's come. Uh, I was one year off. One year old, <laughs> so close. Did you idolize your dad as a kid, knowing he'd played in the NBA, played overseas, or was it just your dad and you didn't even realize till later? I didn't realize too much. I mean, if there was one person I idolized, it was my mom, just because she was so much, did so much for us, and she. I mean, I credit her, our development, you know, mentally, uh, everything to her because she was a teacher and she was always really, really hard on us. I mean, we got grounded if we had eighty nine. Like wow. We had to have all A's. Wow. And when she grounded us, she took away all of our electronics. So all we could do is go outside and pass the football or do something like that. But seeing my dad play at that you know, level and coming from a really, really small town, uh, 
Kingsville, uh, Arkansas, and what he blew up to, I knew that I had it in me to get to this level. And so it let me know that, you know, what I thought was impossible wasn't. That's awesome. All right, we're going to take another quick break here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access continues, brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Once again, your co-hosts, Ali Marpet and Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters, coming to you from the Hooters Owls Nest. Casey Phillips here with cornerback Zion McCollum. So we talked about how you played a million other sports. But when you played football, was corner always the position or what all have you played in football? So actually, the position that I wanted to play growing up was safety. And my brother, who plays safety, wanted to play corner. <laughs> but funny story, in high school, freshman year, when they line you up and are like, get in your positions of what you want to play. I went with the safeties. He went with the corners. And we had that whole practice. And then the next day, when the coaches were grabbing everybody to see you know, who had made what position, they switched us up. They got us mixed up. So I went with the corners and he went with the safeties. But it was supposed to be the other way around. And then it just stuck. And I was like, you know what? The corner's not too bad. This is hilarious. So you are playing the position you are because people got you and your twin brother confused. Basically, yes. <laughs> and I love that you didn't say anything. That you just were like, okay, I feel like this really sums you up. You're just like, yes, coach. Whatever you need, coach. That's fine. Yeah, I'm down to do any position. I'll play nose tackle if you want me to do. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to watch that. That would be great. That is so funny. So, and again, your brother now uh, plays for the Eagles on the practice squad. Um, so... You were already kind of facing him earlier this year. It's not like you guys were ever going to be on this field at the same time, and yeah. he's on the practice squad. But um, how how crazy is it to realize that you guys are on opposing sidelines in the NFL, and that I mean, heck, there's a chance it happens again, depending on the playoff scenario. That you know, it's a high likelihood that if the Bucks make the playoffs, that the Eagles could be one of the teams they face. So, what is it like to have already faced him once and maybe have to do it again and, and be on opposite sidelines? Like a dream come true, really. Especially, I mean, our childhood team growing up was the Eagles that we love so much. And to see him play for the Eagles and then for us to go head to head, like, it was just a dream come true. It's something that we've been talking about ever since we were young. And we actually sat down and realized that football was what we wanted to try for. And we definitely know that we could play the Eagles uh, in that first round of the playoffs, depending on how things shake out. So... We're still holding hope that we will be on the same field together going against each other. How did having a twin that played the same you know, sport and similar position to you, how do you think that affected your growth in football and, and the way you guys do? I mean, you talked about how he gives you his thoughts on your game afterward, but you know, I just feel like I think about this kind of iron sharpens iron idea of having someone that is, I mean, even genetically so similar to watch out there and to go against. What do you think that that gave you advantage-wise as compared to other people? I think it gave me a an incredible advantage and I'm blessed that I wish everybody had a twin first and foremost but I mean you always had somebody to pass the football with you always had somebody to run drills with and he knows my weaknesses more than shoot I even know my own weaknesses and vice versa so when we're in the off season and we train together I mean we don't necessarily you know need a training facility as long as we have each other and a field then he'll play receiver and I'll play corner I'll play receiver he'll play safety and we just continue to work on all of our weaknesses and we'll stay out there for hours just you know sharpening our tools and getting ready and I'm just I'm so happy and blessed that I have him that's awesome and so we heard that there was an accidental mix up between the two of you were you guys the twins that did the purposeful switching places at times to confuse people in elementary school we actually did once and we thought about it and we 
only had to switch shoes. Our mom dropped us off at school. We ran in right before we walked in the doors and said, you know, waved so that she would drive off and switch <laughs> shoes really quick. So wait, were you wearing all the same clothes? And, all the same clothes. And so then the shoes were the only giveaway. Yeah, Got the it. shoes were the only giveaway. And, uh, but afterwards, after that day, you know, he had math twice. I had science twice. It was like, if we keep doing this, then you're going to be a genius in math. I'm not going to know how to add. I'm going to know all the science. You're not going to know the planets. And so we were like, we were like, we're hurting ourselves doing this. <laughs> this is the most mature thing I've ever heard from elementary school students of like, you know, I really should be able to go take my math. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> true. Now that I think about it, I mean, we were all always really, really educational when it comes to that. Like I said, like our mom was really hard on yeah, us. Yeah, she wasn't putting up with it. Yeah. You, you knew that you were going to get grounded if you kept not going to math. And I was not going to get grounded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but, it, but people always fell for it. No one would catch you when you would switch that you guys were that identical. Nobody caught us on that day. And then, of course, sometimes we like played jokes and like he'd walk into one of my classes in middle school or in high school or something to see if the teacher would know and the teacher wouldn't know until you would say something obvious and it'd be like eh, stop yeah, playing around get out get of here. Out of here. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing and then so I love this if not only we have you as a twin here uh but of course Rondé Barber the the famous buccaneer also a twin and did I hear that you used to read his books when you were a kid Definitely. I mean, every single night when we were young in elementary school and we used to read right before bed, that was our favorite book. And we used to read it because, I mean, to see twins in the NFL at that level and we were so young, but we knew we were twins. And so it, that was something that we could grasp hold of and we could see like, oh, it's possible Like we can do this together as long as we stay together like they did. Then, you know, we can get there. That's so cool. And that didn't definitely influence your football journey and particularly what college you went to. So uh, tell us a little bit about that story of how you guys ended up at Sam Houston State. Yeah, I mean, we were originally committed to Utah and we were both going together and he had a little bit small complication with his back. And so Utah decided to offer what's called a gray shirt, which basically means you sit out a year and you become a part of the next class. And we already had our minds made up that we were going to go through this experience together that we were going to college together. And the thought of just being on campus with him sitting at, at home and knowing how much he wanted to play and how much he could play and how much the back wasn't a big deal. We were just like, you know what, back out. I uh, can't commit to Utah. We have to decommit from them because we want somebody who believes in both of us. And Sam Houston was always that school that – I mean, they were the first school to reach out to us and offer us, and they always loved us no matter what. And so when I hit them up after the decommitting happened, I was like, does our offer still stand? They were like, oh, 100%. Yeah. We can get you on a visit uh, this next week. And just that love and that camaraderie, that family aspect, we fell in love with, and that ended up being the real determination of why we went there. That's pretty incredible. We're talking to Zion McCollum. Um, yeah, the, what do you remember then about the fact that you guys were going to get split up in the NFL, was that challenging for you after doing everything together and, and making all those decisions to try to stay together in college? It was going to be challenging at first. We knew it was going to be challenging, but that was something that we actually decided to go ahead and do on our on our own. Because when I got drafted to the Bucks, Tristan could have came to the to the Bucks. They wanted him, you know, to come and sign and be on the practice squad and work his way up. But at that point in our careers, we had become so attached to each other. We wanted to be able to, like, blossom individually. And so we knew that whether it be just for football, but mainly just for life in general, 
that at some point, especially now, it was time to spread spread our wings, yeah. separate, you know, flock from the nest, and then hopefully somewhere down the line in our careers, we end up being on the same team again. That's really cool. Um, how about what you remember about when you first got to the Bucks? We've talked about that it's a challenging thing to transition from a smaller school to the NFL, but it's a big transition even for people who went to big colleges. Did you have a welcome to the NFL moment or something where you were like, oh, dang, I'm in the big leagues now? I think seeing Tom Brady run out for the first time <laughs> and in practice when he just missed a deep ball by like an inch and he's screaming, going crazy on the receiver. You know, you, you need to run your route, you know, two degrees more. No, like I'm exaggerating, but seeing him. Probably not by much, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not really. He was intense and just seeing that intensity in practice and then he's on like what, like. I forgot what year. I mean, I lose you lose track of yeah. how much years he's been in the NFL. 85, somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And to see, like, a man that has that fire at his age at this point and everything that he's accomplished, it was like – and then, of course, you see Mike Evans, who I idolized yeah. in high school, walk around. It was like, dang, I, I, I'm really here. This is This is real. This is real life. Had, how quickly was that a thought for you when you got drafted by the Bucks that it would be with Mike Evans after you'd idolized him so much? Immediately. Immediately, yeah. <laughs> Immediately. As soon as we found out that we were going to the Bucks, uh, that was the first thought that I was like, I'm going to be able to play with Mike Evans. Did you go tell him, like, right away? He actually hit me up first. As soon as uh, I had got drafted, he hit me up on Twitter, and he was congratulating me and telling me, like, let's go to work. You know, I'm excited, happy to be here. You know, Galveston, Texas, G-Ball, stand up. That's awesome. Do you remember the first time you actually lined up against him in practice? I do. Yeah, I do. How'd that go? It was a learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was surreal. It was like, I was like, I need somebody to get a picture of this so they can edit the ball high uh, uniforms on us because, I mean, that's really what it came from. That's so cool. So it was, yeah, it was just so cool. That's great. What do you think you'd be doing if not football? I would definitely be a teacher or a coach. I feel like, I don't know, that's just something that, well, I am going to do whenever I'm done playing football, uh, is teach or coach somewhere. And that's just something that I have a passion for. I guess it kind of runs in my family blood, too. My mom, she's a teacher. My dad is a coach now after he played. Uh, my grandma was a principal on the daycare, you know, a lot. Just giving back to the youth, being able to teach and spill off. You know, everything that I've learned, everything that I have, I just want to be able to pass that on to the younger generation. That's cool. What would you teach? I would teach probably science, biology, chemistry, maybe, or math. I, mean, I like math, too. All those real hard ones. Yeah, <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> Good thing you guys didn't keep switching. Now you have the ability to teach all of them. <laughs> exactly. So we knew you grew up idolizing Mike Evans, obviously. But before that, what do you remember about who you grew up, you know, watching, you know, when it came to really wanting to hone your craft? Or did you have guys in the league that you thought, man, this is who I want to emulate? Darrell Rivas was probably the biggest for me. I used to watch his practice tape, his one-on-ones. They would put on YouTube, like, the hour-long videos that you kind of got to cut up on your own. And I used to just, just watch over and over and over and over again. And more than anything from the technique, it was just his ability to just be calm in the craziest situations. And then he had a knack for the football. He was always finding the football. And whether he's turned around 360, making crazy catches or anything, he just finds a way to come down with the ball. And so, you know, going into high school and college, that was something that I was like, see ball, get ball. Like, I saw him do it. I know that I could do it. 
Who do you like watching now that's that's currently active in the league? I like watching. I mean, really, just any, I, if somebody's doing something successfully and somebody's playing at a high level, then I'll watch them, no matter you know who they are or what they are, just to see you know you know what nuances are they picking up on. But uh, recently, I like watching Stephon Gilmore because of how smart he is and how he kind of sets up his own plays. Xavier Howard. That year, he had like seven, eight interceptions. was a phenomenal year of tape for him that I watched. So a lot of the older, more the guys that are getting slower, <laughs> <laughs> so they have to compensate by being smarter. I was like, if I can get that smartness aspect of it while I'm young, then it'll be a double-edged sword. That is smart. Where do you rank yourself in terms of athleticism as a corner across the league? Because I feel like that's always what Bowles is complimenting you on, is that he said you're one of the most athletic corners that he's coached so where do you think you rank in the league I mean if there was like a, a like combine a combine or now? anything I was pretty sure I mean I have confidence in myself that I'd be the f most athletic corner in the league like coming into the combine that was something that I wanted to set for myself and I ended up having like a super super good score for athleticism so I mean like I said anything that it is whether it's a small task or a big task I'm trying to be the best at it I like it how about the most annoying things that wide receivers do hold or complain <laughs> <laughs> like they get on us for holding so much they hold just as much and, and then just the complainers they always complain about every little thing but I'm, I'm the type of guy like if I do end up holding which I, I hold a little bit yeah I'm not gonna lie everybody holds a little bit you know and they'll be look at me like well, man why are you holding it like my bad I, I won't hold next time I got you <laughs> or like I'll just be like super nice like Oh my! I didn't mean to do that. I'm so sorry. Like yada yada. I bet they, they don't know what to do at, with that. <laughs> they look at me sideways and just anything to just throw them off their game. Like Kill Larry with Fitzgerald kindness. was that nice type of receiver, and just like, oh, that was good coverage, good job, or hey, good hit. And you know, I've seen a lot of successful people, players do that, and so that's pretty funny, just to confuse people. Um, how about the types of wide receivers? That you've either like maybe your favorite ones you've gone against, hardest ones you've gone against. What stands out? The hardest type of receiver is the sh the quick, shifty guys, the shorter guys that know that if I get my hands on them, that they're going to lose. So they're going to do everything that they can to make sure I don't get my hands on them. Uh, the bigger receivers, I kind of like going against the bigger receivers just because I know that they're going to try to use their muscle to, to overpower me. And I feel like I can I hold my own in that aspect. But yeah, those those quicker guys. Mike, though, he's a different type of big receiver. Just, he's so aggressive and so good at using his hands. He's probably the hardest receiver I've had to cover. Yeah? Yeah. That's pretty amazing when he's on your own team. That I'm sure that was a good way to get adjusted to the NFL quickly. Definitely. I mean, just being able to play at that caliber and seeing, like, in practice, when you catch it, it's like it's a catch and it's over. It's no harm, no foul. But when you start to sit back and realize, oh, if that was a game, though, I mean, one touchdown is one catch. You're one slip away from giving up something or making a play. So it really just helped me just be like, I just have to take it once play at a time. If I can stop them on this one route, then in the game, that one route and big time situations, I'm going to be able to stop them there. All right. We're going to take one more break here on Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. This is Buccaneers Radio. Now more on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Coming to you from the Hooters Owls Nest, Casey Phillips joined by cornerback Zion McCollum. So um, your cornerback room is such an interesting one of like, especially how young so many of the guys were that like Carlton became 
the elder statesmen of the room at a very young age as well. And then he and Jamel both being those guys when you came in. What do you remember about having Carlton and Jamel already here to kind of pave the way and, and how familiar they were with Bowl's system? It was really good just being able – they're so different. And they came from the same school from Auburn, so it's kind of hard to – but they have like a funny like big brother, little brother dynamic that they have, and that's fun. They make every, the game fun. If ever there's something I'm struggling with, you know, Dean, he's super smart and super intelligent, and he, he's kind of like bulls in aspect to where he's like, like, why are you overcomplicating this? Like, it's not that hard. He's then, starting to sound like Bowles. He's yeah. been around him so long. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's definitely – Bowles is rubbing off on him. <laughs> and, and Carlton, I mean, he he just knows how to make the game fun and how to, you know, make a serious situation not as serious and so that you can just be kind of free. And so just learning from him, and he's he's taught me so much different, you know, tips and tools that – he doesn't have to tell me, you know, he doesn't have to teach me like some of the things that worked for him, but he does just because, you know, I can tell that he really cares and we have a good relationship. I mean, all the corners in that room, we kind of just help build each other up. What do you think are the things that for Carlton and Jamel, what are their biggest strengths in terms of the, the technicality of the sport, the physicality of the sport? What are the things that you're like, oh man, like he really does this well. What are the things that stand out? Carlton is just so, I feel like he's just such a natural football player. You know, he doesn't necessarily do a specific technique that is, like, perfect. Like, oh, step like this, and then step like that. And then he just kind of goes out there and plays, and then that's, like, the technique. And so just being able to learn from from that, for me, and my biggest, it was just trusting in my own ability. And he trusts himself so much to where he can just go out there and just play. And so me seeing that, it helped me trust myself to be like, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and play, too. And Dean, he's so smart. And so some a lot of plays he sets himself up, and he a lot of times he's in their huddle. Like he knows what play is coming before it comes. And so that helped me just understand how important, you know, film study and understanding your job really was. And then Dean, he's he's not afraid of anything. Like he's a thumper. He'll come up and he'll hit you in the mouth. And no matter if you're, you know, big 240-pound fullback or a small receiver, like he treats everybody the same uh, physically. And how about – Christian Izian coming in as a rookie, being asked to do a lot, you know, in this defense pretty early on in, in that nickel role. And we saw him get, you know, some interceptions early in the season. And what are the things that you've seen in terms of what he's brought in his rookie year of what he's been really good at? And then what are some of the things that you feel like coaches are still working on with him? I think that he's he just was able to pick up on things super well. And you could tell, like, the way that he carries himself and the way that he carried himself on the film, he knew that he belonged in the NFL. He knew that, you know, this was his destiny per se. And so it was really, really good, especially seeing a rookie come in and just have that confidence from the like right off the jump. And it was like a breath of fresh air. Like, you can depend on him when he's on the field and he's going to be where he needs to be. And if he's not where he needs to be, then he's going to try 10 times harder to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And... You know, he be hard-headed sometimes, you know, as a lot of rookies are, you know, especially around this time of year when you hit First that of all, I already wall. love that you're talking about it like you're this elder statesman. Like, you know, a know. lot of these little rookies over here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not too you far too. <laughs> But a lot can happen in that office. That's true. And yeah, you grow a lot. It's like dog years. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And him, I just know that he's going to continue to get better. He's a lot of fun to play with, and he's really fun to communicate with. He's, you know, from New York. He's from Jersey, so he, he knows how to talk. <laughs> and so having him on the field, you know, it's like we have, 
you know, conversations before this ball is snapped about what we think is going to happen, about anticipating a certain motion or whatever. So we work really well together. And then Dee Delaney having to, in similar roles to you, of being asked to just kind of fill in, jump in these different places due to injury. And um, he's had to do safety and corner and all these different things. Um, what has enabled him to do that of whatever's asked of him, whatever position? And, and explain just a, a little bit about how complicated that can be in like a bowl system to be asked to play multiple different positions like that. It's super complicated. I mean, he's Mr. Versatile, the defense. He has been asked to play every position that he can play. And I think just him, just his faith is so strong in the process and God and, and everything that he just knows that whatever situation that he's put in, his faith is so strong that it's going to work out. And he just keeps such a positive attitude. I mean, when you're around him, you can't just help but, like, giggle and just start laughing because he just brings such a good, happy, positive energy that you need. And he, the, the moment is never too big for him. The game's never too big for him. And so when he's in the huddle and he's in the game, you know that, you know, he's somebody that you can depend on. And if it's ever a stressful situation in the game, and you know, I look over at him and he's the safety right next to me, it kind of just makes me smile. Like, you know what? Like, why am I like taking this too serious? Like, I got Dee Delaney right next to me. I know good things are going to happen. That's great. And now we have Christmas Eve game at home against the Jaguars. Um, holidays in the DB room. What do you guys, do you guys decorate? Do you have the gift exchange? What does this look like? Yeah, we, we decorated the, the rookies, decorated the room. They did a decent job. A they decent could, job. Decent. I can't say they did a good or a great job. <laughs> They did a decent job. How they, did you do last year as a rookie? I thought I did an impeccable mm, job. Of course, impeccable. <laughs> impeccable. But I'm a little biased. But then we have a little secret Santa going on with the safeties in the corners that, you know, we've been doing. We did it last year, and so that'll be very, very fun. We promise we won't tell. Who do you have? I have Josh Hayes. Mm, all right. Yeah. You feel good about it? You feel like? Oh, I feel really good about it. Oh, I already yeah. know what I'm going to get him, and it's perfect. I'm going to get him. If you are listening, Josh, I'm getting you what you need, not what you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to find out what that is. Are you going to bust out a Christmas outfit for the game? What are we thinking? Because I know you're always a guy that comes in swaggy. What are we thinking? Last year I wore the Christmas lights around my neck. I feel like i got to upgrade a little bit, so I might do something. It's hard for me to wear hats because, you know, the hair. But Yeah, you can't cover that the impeccable hair. Way. Yeah. Maybe I'll paint my hair red and green or something. I don't know. I like that. And then uh, how about for you, just any kind of pregame rituals, home game rituals? I'm not super superstitious, and I don't really have too much rituals when it comes to when I'm at the stadium. You know, I get my stretches in. I, I get my hamstrings worked on and make sure that everything's right physically. Before I come into the stadium, that's really when my process starts. When I wake up in the morning, I make sure that, Right before I go to bed, I look at my notes so that I go to sleep with the offensive scheme and the routes are in my head so that when I wake up, it's the first thing that I'm thinking about. And then I'm a big shower person. So I'll take like an hour-long shower and just sit there and just be with my thoughts and just be restful and be mindful of everything and remind myself of everything that I'm grateful for and why I'm here and to just go out there and play as hard as I can. I love it. Well, Zion, thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome. We really appreciate it, and good luck on Sunday. Thank you. It was super fun having you. Awesome. All right, thanks to all of you guys for listening. This has been Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. This is Buccaneers Radio.